Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. How we doing? Good. All right. We've had a great week then. I like to hear that. If I haven't met you, my name is Matt, and uh, great to see you here, great to be here with you, uh, and wanted to uh, mention just a couple of quick things, kind of going off of those announcements, too. Um, one is we, there's a lot of things going on, and a lot of ways to participate and be involved, serving, uh, giving, a uh, lot of different ways. Uh, something else we have coming up is what we call our police support night. Um, we did this last year. And uh, since we've supported the police that year, um, I don't know, several, a couple of months ago, someone drove by and shot with a semi-automatic weapon into the police department right in our parking lot, busted out their windows, and fortunately, it was while they were changing shifts. And so there was no police officer in front of those windows when uh, those bullets came through, um, and they were protected, and I was reminded of the opportunity the Lord gave me when they opened this police department, they invited me to dedicate it. So I went there with the mayor and the police chief of the city and dedicated it to Jesus uh, and every officer that they would be safe and the Lord protect them and the Lord answered that prayer. And that, you know, when that happened here a couple of months ago, but we have an opportunity to uh, really just love on some of our officers here in town. Um, so we've invited two precincts uh, I think District 1 is this one, I think it's District 2, to come and have a meal. We're going to feed them. Uh, the Pendletons are helping serve this amazing food. And we're going to have several of us there that night to have conversation, pray for, uh, love on, give encouraging words to. And we have some gifts for them as well, some books and just some great stuff. We have a great relationship with, uh, with the captain here and, and the whole department. And so that is October 8th. Uh, I'd like to raise about $1,200 to cover everything that night. If you'd like to be a part of just giving toward that, um, you can go to our app, and on our app, scroll down when you give a chance to give, and it says Police Support Night. Uh, we'll just have that up here for a few days. Uh, if you want to give toward that, you guys did that last year, covered it entirely. We had extra, actually, uh, that we gave to them as well. And so um, you want to be a part of that, that would be great. Also coming up, is another church work day. This would be number four, church work day. This one's different. Uh, we did all the major lifting. Uh, previously, in the previous work days, ripping out all the shrubs, dead trees, uh, moved a lot of dirt. You can't imagine. Scott, how many truckloads do you think we had of dirt and junk? So well over 50 dump truckloads of stuff we moved uh, and everyone cut down and it was, it was amazing. And so thank you, we had a hundred volunteers help during those, over those three weeks. Thank you for that. It looks really good out there. But the one coming up is to plant. So we've torn down, now we're gonna plant. So we're gonna plant some flowers and shrubs and trees. We don't need as many volunteers for this day, but it is October 2nd. Uh, that's coming up, that's a Saturday. And I think we can do it in three to four hours. And so uh, starting at 10 a.m., Going through lunch, um, we'll serve lunch for those who are volunteering, volunteering that day as well. There's sign-up sheet at the Welcome Center. So I think there are already five taken, so we only need about 15 more people to help out that morning. Really appreciate you doing that, and it's going to just really be beautiful 
there, and it just looks better and better. Great work is going on there all the time, improvement all along the way. I anticipate, honestly, I had given myself about a year and a half to rent the whole place out, um, and we may be rented out by the end of this year, honestly. So it's really, really good. So thank you, Lord. Yeah, thank you for your prayers. And, you know, in part, it's because of all the work that you guys have done there to make it look nice. People want to be there. They can see there's a, there's a difference. It actually is appealing. And we have, we have waiting lists on some of the, some of the spaces, actually. So that's, that's a great thing. And just another quick update along those lines. Um, Financing is the next main thing for the next loan or upfit loan. That is in process. I've got about five different banks competing against one another for this, for us. And so that's what we're working on right now. Uh, once that gets done, my hope again is that we can really get moving January 1st at the latest and, uh, and go from there. If you would like to, as Chuck just mentioned, if you'd like to give toward the building campaign, I don't know how much money we're going to need to put down, but if you could continue to give toward that, that will really help us. You can give cash, you can give by check, you can give crypto, you can give silver, gold, diamonds, whatever you'd like to give. We will exchange that and make it work and leverage it for getting into that, that place, our future home. Um, and so, yeah, you can do that on, online. All right. That's it for all the announcements today. We've had a lot of them. Sorry about that. Um, I want to share over the next couple of weeks something that is uh, a little different and if you weren't here the last time I shared about this, it was over three years ago, um, I want you to bear with me if you can. Uh, and I know that I will step on toes a little bit. It's not intention to step on toes, but I know that simply because of what I want to talk about, it just happens sometimes. But I believe the Lord has sent you here to be a part of Awake Church, sent you to the earth uh, with a purpose, with a plan that God has given to you, has for you to walk in to be his feet, his hands. David was talking about that. And one way we can reach out to refugees and many, many other, other places that we can do things. All of us have an individual calling and purpose, a unique one that God has given to you to follow the Holy Spirit, to allow him to change us so we're more like Jesus and that we really are the light of the world, as Jesus said. It's to serve and to grow and to give, be a part of a community, grow friendships, grow in the likeness of Jesus so that we are changed all the time and we look more like him all along the way. He's also once you equipped and once you inspired so that you'll take action so that we aren't just receivers all the time. We are to receive what the Lord has done freely. We can't earn it. Ain't that amazing? Everything that Jesus did, we get to receive. But as a son and a daughter, we also then, once we receive, we get to give. Freely you've received, freely give, right? We want to then give out and help others and uh, make a difference in this, on this planet in so many different ways. And so we focus primarily here on Sundays on what I would call essentials, the essential things, the things that we would all mostly believe similarly, uh, but reinforcing who God is. Talk about the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the person of Jesus, uh, the resurrection, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, who the Father is, um, the body of Christ, our part of the body of Christ and what that looks like, all of those things, those purposes. But we still also talk about some less important things, and that's what I'm going to do today and some next week as well. 
talking about some less important things, non-essentials. So these are the kind of things that we may disagree on, and that's okay. But I still want to talk about them every once in a while. For us, it's every three years. Okay? So that's not making it a priority and making it bigger than it should be. Because I'm saying these things because I know some of you are going to talk to me afterwards. And why are you, and I get lots of opinions and people are, get really upset with me for talking about things they don't feel like I should be talking about. Um, and again, this is, uh, you know, think of the things you talk about during the day. It's not just spiritual, I guarantee it. And every once in a while, there are some things that still links with spiritual, but they're important things as well. Um, now, you've, now you're scared of what I'm going to say. <laughs> but one of the reasons why I want to talk about some things I'm going to call non-essentials that we may or may not agree on is because some of them, though there might not be one perfect answer for them, some of them really cause people to stumble. And that's the reason, that's the purpose why I want to mention some of them over these next couple of weeks, because some things cause people to stumble, and I would say unnecessarily. Uh, you can hold on to, to a tradition or something that has been taught, or you've heard someone else say, or that's commonly understood, and it may not be right. And that thing can cause problems. Uh, I'll give an example of this just real, real quickly. Galileo, everybody knows who he was. Born in the 1500s, lived into the 1600s, uh, really smart guy. He loved God. In fact, he was talking about, you know, science goes together with what God has done. And we, we really learned things about, about God through the word of God. I mean, this is, he was a believer. But through his observations, he thought and recognized, you know what? I don't think the sun revolves around us. We might revolve around it. There, you know, planets are probably, the earth may be round instead of flat and all, all those things. And he got really in trouble with the church. He got in trouble with the government for saying such preposterous stuff. What is wrong with you that you question anything, right? He had, he had because of the tradition that had been taught all along the way by the church as well, that it's this way. And when he started to observe some stuff, he started to question. He thought, man. And then, you know, honestly, in the scriptures, the scriptures talk about the earth being round. In Isaiah, it talks about the sphere of the earth. So a lot of times, unfortunately, the church has adopted things, traditions, that don't come from the sum of the word. A lot of times they've just come from an idea or someone's this is what I think, this is the way it is, so this is what we're going to create, and this is it. And there's a lot of things throughout church history, when you, especially if you bring in the Catholic church to that, tons of traditions that are man-made that are not scriptural, right? We all agree with that, right? So what we want to do is discover what is true. We also, it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to ask the Lord questions. Jesus wasn't upset when people were asking him questions. His disciples ask him all the time because they didn't understand everything, just like I don't understand everything. It's, I ask God a lot of questions. I don't have all the answers from God either on the questions I've asked. Some of them I've discovered over time, and some of them I'll probably only learn later in the next age, in the next time with him. But okay, I mentioned that scripture, the sum of your word is truth. It's Psalm 119, verse 160. It's an important passage. 
that whenever you come up with a certain belief, doctrine, or you can call it even a tradition, let's make sure that it is balanced and the foundation is the sum of the word, not one passage. If you build a doctrine on one passage, you're going to build a false doctrine, is what you're going to do. That's how it works. You've got to take the whole of the word. And I, there are many examples. I talk about this in the new members class. If you come to a new members class, we'll talk more about that. Um, I really like something that the Moravians, I really appreciate, particularly the early Moravians with Zinzendorf and what they established. Their motto up here, in the essentials, let's have unity. In the non-essentials, things that aren't as important like who Jesus is, who the Father is, who the Spirit is, all that. In the non-essentials, let's have liberty. So let's not fight over this. Let's not kick other people away, throw people away if they don't believe like I do in this area. That is a, an immature thinking that has happened, has pervaded the church for a long, long time. Let's throw that out. And let's be okay with people who may disagree with us in non-essential things. Are, you, are we okay with that? It seems fairly basic, but it's not, unfortunately. In all things, love. I love that. In everything, love. Doesn't matter who disagrees with me, let's love them. In fact, I may not be right all the time. I'm writing some things I know because I've got the scriptures and I've got the witness of the Spirit, my relationship with God. But there are some things that I really disagree that I've said five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, for sure. My guess is you have changed along the way as well as you grow in revelation in God and things are made real to you, okay? So, okay, enough buildup on all that. Some of the essentials that we do mention you can find in our statement of faith, which is on our website, um, talking about Jesus, eternal life, the Holy Spirit, the gospel of the kingdom, the cross, the return of Jesus, all of those things. When the Holy Spirit came after the resurrection of Jesus, and now you've got all these new believers, and the church is growing rapidly, it caused a small problem in the sense that it was something, it was a hill that they needed to climb and figure out. And that is we got all these new believers, but they're Gentiles. They're not Jews. So they don't carry the same traditions, the same culture. So what do we do with them? And Acts chapter 15, verse 28 addresses this. After the leaders got together, they prayed about it. What then do we tell the Gentiles to do then? And they decided this. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit. Isn't that a great phrase? It just, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials in addition to the basics of who God is, of sin and freedom from sin and all of those things, that you abstain from things sacrificed to idols. Now, that was a cultural thing in that day, especially in the Greek um, culture there, that there Paul would be speaking to in many places things sacrificed to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication, which is sex with anyone who is not your spouse. If you keep yourselves free from such things, you do well. And off with you. Share that. Go do it. Just be, 
Go for it in faith. So they added, they said, there are some things that are essentials and we're gonna add a few more essential things for you. Otherwise, live free. Serve God. And so that became part of what, and Paul was, uh, they talked about helping the poor as well in this. And Paul said, that's what I wanted to do also. So they were grappling with some of these non-essential things as well, where they had to identify what is essential. Let me mention one other thing. It's a little bit of a disclaimer, sorry. I mentioned um, Galileo. It's important as people, as people, that we do not, and this is again is unfortunately something that's been throughout church, and I've been in, in church all my life, my entire life, and I've seen this over and over and over again, where people throw away other people because they don't believe a certain thing that they hold to. And that we should just not be that way. Man, we've got to change that. Uh, Jesus' prayer that we would have uni- be one, we'd be unified, that we would love each other, even if we have some differences. Uh, think about this. Uh, when we, can, we can put people in boxes and just dislike them because they believe a certain way. Think about, I think of the nation of Germany, okay? When you think about the nation of Germany, you can think, okay, because of Hitler and what happened there and the annihilation of Jews, which was horrific and horrible, yes. But because of that, that does not mark all of the history or the future of that nation, right? That was a period of time with some really bad people, but I'm not going to put that as the brand over all Germans forever. That would be crazy. I'd throw away, I mean, Zinzendorf, Einstein, Martin Luther, a lot of other people who made a significant difference for good, mostly good, um, with a lot of other people. So we don't want to do that. And it's with individuals as well. They can be really wrong with something, but you know what? They may also have some really great things on the inside. So we don't want to throw people away or even denominations or people who believe slightly different than we do. We just don't want to do that. We want to, as it says there, to love in all things, let's love people. Let's be good at pulling out the good and throwing away the bad. Let's not swallow the whole thing. You know, when you're eating chicken today, a little bit later, there's a bone in there. I mean, it doesn't, you wouldn't say, because there's a bone in there, I'm not eating it. No, you're going to yank the chicken meat off that bone. Then you throw the bone away, and everything is fine. We've got to do the same thing with what other people say, with what is presented to us. Let's, let's eat the meat, and let's throw this other part away, but not throw everything away. Are we all tracking? Okay. I feel like I beat this thing up. But most importantly, and you'll hear us talk about this a lot here, is your relationship with Jesus, our relationship with God. Our relationship with Jesus. There is no perfect theology out there somewhere that has every answer to everything perfectly. There just isn't. Sorry. And I think God made it that way on purpose. We want to continue to grow in learning and understanding and growing in knowledge and understanding of of God. But really, ultimately, the closest thing to perfect theology is the life of Jesus. He is perfect theology, the person of Jesus. So my relationship with perfect theology is my relationship with Jesus. And as I'm growing in him, I'm learning and growing. But I'm not, I'm not 
adopting some other form of theology, and that's my new filter for everything. It's got to be relationship with him, using his word, and then by the Holy Spirit, who leads us into all truth, right? So it's by the Spirit. It's not by any type of form that's out there. So that, that's important to know. Okay, let's go to, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Genesis, from Genesis on this. I'm going to talk about a non-essential. Um, and it's from Genesis chapter 1. Of course, in the beginning, we know God created over the six-day period. So we put the first slide up. In Genesis 1, verse 3, we find, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was evening, and there was morning one day. Interesting. So light is and darkness are the first two things that God creates. So before there was light or darkness, I don't know what there was other than God. I mean, he is a unique power force person being that's unlike anything else. And it's sometimes difficult when I try and put my understandings upon him and he's got to be this way. He knows things I don't know. <laughs> Most things. Right? He, he knows everything. Then day two. Do that slide. Genesis 1 verse 6. Then God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. This is fascinating. I don't understand this. And let it separate the waters from the waters. So you got light and darkness and now we have waters. God called the expanse heaven, verse 8, and there was evening and there was morning a second day. So the heavens, if you read the Psalms, it's interesting. It says the beams of the structure of heaven are laid on water. Now that makes no sense to me either. If you're in construction, you don't lay beams in water to build your building. But God does. The heavens are built out of water somehow. And we see here that there are three basic heavens there's the first heaven, the second heaven, and the third heaven. Paul talks about in the New Testament as well. All the way through, you see, basically, as it starts here, an expanse in the midst of waters. Let this water separate from waters. I don't understand that stuff. But that's what it says. Day three, slide, number one here. Let the waters below the heavens be gathered in one place. So it looks like the earth started with water, basically. Let the dry land appear. So dry land comes out of water. That's what happens next. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the gathering of the waters he called seas. And he said, that's good. Verse 10, God called the dry land earth, and the gathering of the waters he called... Oh, sorry, I reread that. Second slide of day three. So on this same day of day three, something else happens. Then God said, verse 11, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit and after, after their kind and seed in them. And it was so. Verse 13, there was evening, there was morning, a third day. So it was during the third day 
that vegetation began to grow. So God put seeds, he created seeds, and somehow they began to grow, these vegetation, plants and trees and all those kind of things. That's day three. Then day four comes, verse 14, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. Let them be for signs and for seasons, for days and years. So the the separation of night and day, we already have morning and evening from day one, day two, day three, but now we have light that helps identify the difference between morning and evening in day four. Then verse 15, and let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made these two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. Next slide. He made the stars also. Interesting. Uh, Of course, we could spend a lot of time on talking about this too, because I love these kind of things, because it pops my brain and just amazes me at the size and the power and the knowledge and the wisdom of God that's beyond anything that we could ever even begin to comprehend. But, you know, it says in Isaiah, not only is the earth round, but it also says that God has named every star. That's a lot of names. In our galaxy, the Milky Way, we don't even know how many stars are in our one galaxy. It's between 100 and 400 billion is the estimate. 100 to 400 billion stars in just the Milky Way. God has them all named. Now, let's look beyond the Milky Way for a second. We get this great telescope, the Hubble that's been up there for about 30 years. There's a new one about to go up, by the way, that is gonna see even clearer than the Hubble. And the Hubble, they pointed this thing and it was just pitch black where they couldn't find anything in the universe. And they thought, let's point it at this one space space in space, that we have no idea if there's anything there. And they did. There were 10,000 galaxies in that one little little piece. What they're estimating, astronomers estimate, that there are billions of galaxies. Each galaxy typically has 100 million plus stars. So how many stars are there in the universe? A one with 21 zeros behind it is a guess. And it could be double, triple, quadruple that, who knows? That's a lot of stars that God has named individually throughout the universe. God is big. He's big. He's not only smart, he's big. Another scripture in Isaiah says that the universe fits in the palm of his hand. He's really big. So however big the universe is that we ever discover, it's right right there to him. With every star named. And then we happen to be on this one little planet that's a part of the solar system of this one little star called the sun. Amazing. Verse 17, God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light to the earth and to govern the day and the night to separate the light from the darkness. God saw it was good. There was evening, morning, a fourth day. By the way, God lives outside of our time. You know that, right? He's not on the clock right now. It's 11.07. God's not on that clock. He can, and I use this with a sphere. I don't have a sphere right now. Well, just imagine with me. A sphere right here of the earth. 
and a timeline. If the timeline goes all the way around the center of the, of the earth, and it's from as far back in history as we know of, however many thousands of years ago, you put this start point and then you go all the way and then oh, there's creation and then Adam and Eve and then you've got Noah and then you've got Abraham and Moses and David and Jesus and all the way to us today. If you could see that timeline, we can, we're just linear. We're just on that timeline. Some point along the way, well, God's completely different. He's outside of time. He created time. So God can see everything at the same moment. So he's still looking at creation as if it's just as happening. And Adam and Eve as if they're still on the planet. Or he can look at the future when Jesus returns all in the same instant because he's outside of time. He's not bound by it. In any way, shape, or form, he's not bound by it. That's amazing to me. Right? That's how Jesus could be crucified before the foundation of the earth, it says in the Bible. Before the foundation of the earth, Jesus was already given for us, crucified. So I cannot put my time schedule on God. That would be weird. We cannot put God in any type of box. Someone who has always been and who always will be, there's where my brain starts to go. Someone who never started. That's, I have trouble with that one, honestly. That's one of my first questions is how, how, how did you, I, I, can't go, I can't go there now. <laughs> He's always been, always will be. Okay, I'm gonna keep moving. Day five, then God said, let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures, let the birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. Verse 21, God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarmed after their kind and every winged bird after its kind. God saw that it was good. Then day six, God said, verse 26 of chapter one, let us make man in our image. The culmination of creation is with man. And then I'm gonna say man, and then when he created woman, his final major creation, best for last, was when he created woman. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky, over the cattle and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So in the English language, there are roughly a million words. That's a lot of words. And think of how many times we use the same word and it has four or five meanings. English language. In the Hebrew language that the Old Testament was written in, biblical Hebrew, you know how many words there were There, are, there were in Hebrew? About 7,000. We have a million, they have 7,000 when the Bible was written. So the Hebrew language, when it uses a word, it can have multiple, multiple meanings because you've got one word to describe a dozen different things. So it all depends on the context in which that word is used to figure out what word does that, what does that mean? So when we look back at the word day that we've just been reading about, day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, and day seven, God rested on the seventh day. Doesn't mean he was tired, he rested, he quit creating. During that, if you look at the word day in Hebrew, one of those 7,000 words, it's the word yom. And yom, can have four different meanings, okay? Let me read these to you. 
First one is some portion of the daylight hours, like today I'm going to the office. At some point today, I'm going to the office, right? That would be one meaning of the word day in Hebrew. Another meaning is sunrise to sunset, which would be our American daytime. Third one is sunset to sunset. That's through the night. And then the day to the next sunset. That is also a day in Hebrew. That's one meaning of it. But the fourth one is a segment of time without any reference to solar days. It could be weeks to a year to many years to an age to an epoch or epoch, depending on how you say it. It could be to an age, like if you said the ice age in the day of the ice age. It's big. We use that same terminology, actually, if I said in my grandparents' day. Well, it would be the day my grandparents were alive, however many decades that they were alive. Um, or if I said, in the day of the horse-drawn wagon. We perfectly understand that. We weren't talking about August 18th, 1642, if I said, in the day of the, of the horse-drawn wagon. I was talking about a whole time frame of the time when those horse-drawn wagons were used regularly. We all understand that. Well, in Genesis, we've got the use of day before the sun was created. Now, that's fascinating to me because the way I was taught and the way I grew up is everything is on 24-hour period. So when God is doing creation, that's on the clock, man. <laughs> 24 hours, you're doing all this. Day one, then day two, then day three. Then day four, he makes the sun and the moon. Well, that would seem really weird to have a 24-hour clock that God's creating stuff on before the sun and the moon are even created. Yet, that's some of the traditions within Christianity and what I was taught in growing up, that God did everything in that time. So, that has caused problems for me along the way as I look at, and you know, I love... Creation, I've been to the Grand, you ever been to the Grand Canyon? It took a long time for that river to cut through those rocks. You know, I'm just like, yeah, I'm just amazed at this. I've been around a river, you know, in my 52 years, and I haven't seen it cut through anything. <laughs> Takes time to do that. When you look at the universe, and how about this one, okay? When you look, when you go outside right now, no, yet. But if you were to go outside right now and you looked up at the sun, the light that's hitting your face, your eyes, the heat you feel, you know how old that is? It's eight minutes old. It took eight minutes to go 93 million miles from our sun to your face. Eight minutes. When I go outside at night, which I love to do, and I look up at the stars that I can see, on a really clear night, particularly out west or in Africa, where there's not light pollution, and you look up, at best, if your eyesight's good, you can see about 2,000 stars of the 100 billion in our solar system. You're not looking at stars at other solar systems. You're looking at ones just around us. But the ones you're seeing, some of them are a long way away. What you're looking at is history. The light from those stars, when it hits you, has been traveling for decades to get to your face that moment. So it's a history book when you look up in the sky. That's just the way it works, just like our sun. You can't say, no, that's not how it works. It is. <laughs> it's okay. But I had a problem with that because 
Scientists will say that the universe is 13 billion years old. The earth is several billion years old. So then I go, well, wait a minute. God did it in 24-hour periods. There's no way. So science, throw that out. It's got to be in the 24 hours. But when I saw that day can mean several different things, including this huge age, how about this? How old is God? How long to him is a billion years? No, not thinking about you. Let's think about God who has always been and who forever will be. A billion years is nothing. And the Bible gives us these interesting things here. How about these? 2 Peter 3, 8. Well, let's read this one first. Psalm 90, verse 4. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it passes by. Or as a watch in the night. You know how many watches there are on the night? There are four. In the Hebrew thinking, they're a watch through the night. Equals three hours. So to the Lord, he's saying here, three hours is like a thousand years to you. Or one day could be like a thousand years to you. It goes super fast to you, God, because you don't think like I think. You're not living for 70 years on this planet. You've always been. Time is no problem for you. Second Peter 3.8. But do not let this one fact escape you, Peter says. Your notice. Beloved, that with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. He's saying similar to what David said in Psalm 90. Revelation twenty-two twelve. Jesus said, to give us an indication on the speed of God, behold, I am returning quickly. If I'd said today to you, I'm going to go to the grocery store, I'll, I'll return quickly. And I didn't come back for 2,000 years you would think that I was lying. But see, God's different than me. He does things differently he's always been. His quickly is 2,000 years or so. And we're still waiting and he's coming. And I think obviously we're closer than ever before, but I think it's soon, soon, like our soon, soon. Not just his soon, right? But you can see that God, with his timing, is just different than mine. Um, you get a prophetic word that you're called to do this or to, you're to go there. Timing's the toughest part of that. Because we instantly think it's going to happen right now. The disciples instantly thought Jesus was going to do the things he was talking about right then. So they're saying, can I sit on your left? Can I sit on your right when you come into your kingdom? Guess what? They miss the timing on this. We do. So for me... As a possibility, I'm not saying this exactly how it is. I'm saying this is what I think is most likely. I think the days before the fourth day of creation were extraordinarily long to us and extraordinarily short to God. And then you, it's no big deal for the earth to have been here for a long time and to age the way that it did and for the universe to be as big as they say it is and they don't even know still. I have no problem with that. Here's why I want to talk about this is that I have a friend, um, he's a new Christian, and he was sharing the gospel with his friends. And one of his friends who's smart and thinks scientifically said, there's no way that your God and what you believe is real because the earth wasn't made in six 24-hour periods. There's just no way. It's older than 6,000 years. 
And my friend didn't have any answer for that. And so that guy would not believe because of the stumbling block of a 24-hour creation. Um, if you, many of you have done this already, you've been through university. Um, some of you have kids that are going there. I have three in right now. And here's what I know that in some universities, what they're gonna do, and I've, unfortunately this happens, they may say to your student, Okay, forget everything that your parents have told you and anything related to faith, because it's all a fable. Here's what's real. And they're gonna give them their gospel. And it's not gonna line up with faith. It's not gonna line up with the Bible. And if you don't, if you have these stumbling blocks, like the age of the earth, just being one of them, then it can be really difficult. I have a really good friend, and all three of his kids lost their faith in university. Some of it had to do with this type of a thing. And so I hate unnecessary stumbling blocks that we hold onto or can hold onto and get rigid in and it's a non-essential and people can lose their faith unnecessarily. God could have done it in six 24-hour days too. I, he can do it any way he wants to. I'm not throwing that out either because he very well could have made everything look old. He could have, right? It's not, in my experience with God and reading the scriptures, it's not normally his way. He doesn't seem to mind process at all. He doesn't seem to mind waiting and patiently waiting for trees to grow. And I love actually the weathered age of the earth that we get to live on. When you go to the Appalachian Mountains, you see that they're rounded, they're old. When you go out west, go to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, you see these peaks like this. They haven't eroded down yet. The time hasn't been there as much for them. I, that just makes perfect sense. God's not, he's not in a bind on our time clock. He just can do anything he wants to. Now, I realize this, and I know that some of you will send me notes. And some of you may leave the church because of this. I understand that too. That's what happened last time I talked about this. Because there are what I would call, and I have had some of these myself over my lifetime. I would say I had pet doctrines. Pet doctrine, a non-essential that I held on to so tightly that if you confront that, then throw away you. That is the way I used to be, to be honest. And I remember sitting in Bible college and one of the instructors said something that confronted my pet doctrine. And I didn't like it at all. Not only did I know he was wrong, but I wasn't sure I wanted to ever listen to him again because he was wrong in this area. That was, and then the Holy Spirit was really working on me later. And it was like, Matt, do you think maybe you came here to learn some things? Maybe there are some things you don't know, you don't have figured out yet. Maybe some things we should ask the Lord. And as I started to do that, oh man, I realized that actually some of the things he was saying were very accurate. And I needed to change. I needed to grow. I needed to learn, to keep being a learner. I didn't need to throw away Galileo. I needed to embrace that. So I think that's enough for today. <laughs> Everyone doing fairly okay? You don't have to be doing all the way okay. Thank you for not throwing one thing at me. As I, I know it's just touchy. You're just stepping on some toes here on this kind of thing. I, we've got to be able to, to talk about these things and be okay with either way. Um, but what we don't want is people 
who need Jesus to have stumbling blocks put in front of them they cannot crawl over. Does that make sense? So God can do this any way that he wants to. And so we're going to talk about some more stuff next week. So Lord, thank you for your goodness, your power, your word, your beauty, your wonder, your glory. God, that you are above all, beyond anything we can ask or think. Lord, thank you that you are, have everything figured out and that you are, you said you are for us. That's just mind-blowing. That you gave us Jesus before the foundation of the world. That you have made a way for us to be saved and set free and be in this family and be called a son and a daughter. That we get to have our sins forgiven. And whenever we sin, we can come to you again and get cleansed all over again. Thank you for your love, your beauty, your closeness. Thank you that you call us friends. You call us sons. You call us daughters. Lord, I bless everyone here. Lord, I ask for your amazing news that Jesus shared and he gave us to share to go throughout the city, to go throughout this world, to go to these refugees that are coming. Lord, that the, the lost would be saved, that the hindrances would be shoved out of the way, that bring people to you, that you would open hearts and win souls. Lord, I bless you, and I, Lord, I just bless these people here today. Lord, I ask you to go with them through the week, Give them insight, revelation. May their relationship with you get closer and closer as we all grow as one into you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have an awesome day. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.